This episode of the Fellowship Podcast by CMF International is our final installment with Cami Burns-Reed, the Assistant Director of GlobalScope. She will share about her years as the team leader for the GlobalScope Puebla team, the need as a leader to help teammates discover where their skills, passions, and interests align with the team's goals, and how sometimes the best tasting taco fillings are not quite what you think. I'm your host, Jake Moore. Welcome to the Fellowship. was writing talks. I ended up giving a lot of talks while I was there. Well, I was going to ask you, yeah, I, I thought I remember you saying you did, a, you did a great deal of speaking and teaching. I did, yeah. Um, I like it. I like writing talks. I like giving talks. Um, but I also, I mean, the team, I, was, I ended up being in Mexico for eight years, so... Mm-hmm. I did not quit after two years. Yeah, you stuck around. Suck. I did. <laughs> Mexico um, maybe wanted to get rid of you, but it oh, wasn't yeah. happen easily. For but. sure. Yes, it was not easy to get rid of me. But I, uh, our team, you know, changed a ton over time. After after I'd been there for a year, mm-hmm. our original team leader and, and his wife, so Nathan and Erin McDade, they had started the ministry there alongside of another team. But the, Nathan had been the team leader. Um, through all that time, but they had decided to take a job at a church in the States. And so um, after one year, that was kind of, they were kind of, when they told me they were leaving, they also kind of tipped their hand that they really hoped that I would be the next team leader. Wow. So that year. that's yeah, that's after rare. one big whole year, I guess yeah. it's that awesome talk I gave my totally. second week there, right? Yeah. No. Um, but they, um, that was, and back then there wasn't like an interview. Now we interview for team leaders and whatnot, right. but it was just kind of like a steering committee alongside of global scope leadership and team leader, all of that decision. And so I ended up stepping into that role that summer. So summer 2011. Um, and so, yeah, that was a huge shift. Mm-hmm. Our team changed a ton then with the McDades leaving, obviously they had been just a real constant presence there. Um, but yeah. then we also had another couple that was on the team that left right around the same time. And so that was a big adjustment for our team to change so significantly. Also then all of a sudden I'm like leading yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and so that was, that was a big, uh, big learning curve too. And it felt like then um, I did need to step back a little bit from students and get my feet under me as team leader, but always mm-hmm. tried to, um, you know, be involved with students as much as I could. And I feel like giving talks is a good way to do that. Um, sure. It's really hard to meet one-on-one with every student, but if you're standing up every other week or so and talking to them, then they mm-hmm. get to know you, they know your heart and that sort of thing. Yeah. It's that consistent voice too mm-hmm. for, for that, for that campus ministry as well as, yeah, if you're yeah. actual vulnerable uh, teacher speaker, oh yeah, then they get to know you a little bit better, even if they don't get to spend one-on-one with you every week on you know, right. Time to time. Exactly. So I, I, I always enjoyed that. Um, and I mean, in Global Scope, we really don't frequently have the model where there's like the leader is like the pastor or the preacher or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to be very careful not to adopt that, even though I was the team leader and I did love giving talks. Mm-hmm. Um, I especially wanted to make sure that we that students were hearing from all of us, um, even those people who maybe didn't like giving talks. Well, there's something mm-hmm. to be said for that too, you know, and I, I wanted yeah. to make sure students were getting well, well-rounded um, voices that, yeah, 
just hearing, hearing about Jesus from people who had had different life experiences. And right. as we had um, people on our team from different parts of the world, you know, we, we weren't always an all American team. We had Mexican teammates, Chilean teammates. Um, you have some Spanish teammates too. We had some Spanish teammates eventually. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah people from elsewhere. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to just, yeah, make sure that we weren't kind of defaulting to that model of like, you know, the, the American people the talking. Only, or the, yeah. yeah. Sure. And, and that was weird in that cultural context. Um, you don't often see um, uh, women will be called pastors, but it's often hmm. married women, you know, like they, hmm. they are the pastors, this married couple are the pastors. And, and that was um, a strange thing for some people to wrap their minds around from time to time. We, um, there was a season where it was me, Courtney and our teammate Elsa, mm-hmm. um, who long time podcasts were, listeners yeah. might remember um from yeah. that spanish speaking episode Absolutely. um but yeah so it was the three of us and then we had a couple of interns um but we we had um some we had a married couple that were recruits and mm-hmm. so students would ask like oh are we getting pastors again like are, that was like the Whoa. mindset like we were like placeholders mm-hmm. for people who had maybe grown up in a christian context they were just very used to that model of like it was either like a him or a him and a her but it was mm-hmm. not a her and mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was weird for me because I'm not like a, for as controlling as I've already confessed <laughs> that I am, I'm not a power hungry person. Mm-hmm. Um, I prefer to get rid of that. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't want the responsibility of power, I, even though I do like the control. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was, you know, when people would come in, they're like, oh, like, are you the, the pastor? Are you the leader? And that was just... Mm already blowing their minds because I was young and I was uh, a woman and I was single. single. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I would say, well, you know, I'm, I'm washing the dishes right now. I'm sweeping the floor. Like, I don't know what you're really asking. Like Mm -hmm. I lead our meetings and I write reports to, you know, our bosses back in the U S but I'm not, um, the, the only pastor. Yeah. I'm not like, yeah, we are all, we are all that. And I hope that in some ways you would be too, as a student, you know, like, that's that's what I understand in scripture is that yes we're all you know mm-hmm. pastoring each other in mm-hmm. so many ways but yeah that there were there were a few cringy interactions with uh, local <laughs> ministers from time to time like very much like uh, you know especially you with the, woman yeah who are you gonna marry single female teams yeah right. that's, that seemed like yeah that like you better be get weird. married soon I I will never forget we had a mission trip in town. Um, and we were out like on a service project with them and there was a local pastor who was leading us. And he asked me, he was like, can you, can you think of anyone you could marry? Like that, <laughs> he was like very concerned about me as like a single woman yeah. who was unmarried. Like, but do you need think, to, can you think of somebody? Come like, on. There's is gotta is be. there no one? Is there oh no gosh. one at all? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Brad Pitt's, like Brad Pitt's kind of cute, but I don't think he would move here. Right? No, I'm just kidding. Like, is, is that the point? So, yeah, so, that was but, culturally so, at least. But thinking little. about that for a second. So oftentimes, I know you and I have both had conversations with various young adults mm-hmm. who are exploring being an exchange intern or wanting to serve for a year with CMF or maybe even stepping into two to four years of service. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest hangups is the relationship piece. Either they're in a relationship or they're worried that though they're not in a current relationship, 
they're limiting themselves from ever getting into a relationship. Oh, yeah, that train will just altogether leave the station. Yeah, it's like those gone all years, right? So you shared that you were in Mexico for eight years. You yeah. shared earlier on in our time here that you are married. Right. But something changed. I, something I thought changed. of someone I could marry. You thought of someone. Um, but most of your time, you've told me, yeah. was not as a married person, was single. But what, what did you wrestle with the relationship piece and singleness? And, or was it not really a question because you were so into community and, and the work you guys had going on from a ministry standpoint? Could you tell, share with us a little bit about that? Yeah, I'd say like all of the above. Yeah. Um, but just totally day to day um, struggle or lack thereof with that. Um, so, yeah, I, I was happy to move to Mexico as a single woman. Um, I kind of like default I would say my default there you know there are people out there who are what I call like serial monogamous right like they're always uh, in a relationship yeah that really isn't me or it is now I'm yes <laughs> I got monogamous you monogamous and in a committed marriage but it wasn't <laughs> know you, you know in college I just was not I was mostly single and yeah. mostly single in high school like I dated from time to time but I, my I would say my resting state prior to marriage was singleness mm-hmm. and um that was also the case in Mexico for most of the time I was there, you know, again, just casual dating here or there. Uh, when Courtney and her husband started dating, I would say that kind of was like, oh my gosh, like my person is going to have a different person. <laughs> and so I did yeah. um, kind of put the word out. I told everybody I knew. I was like, hey, send me up with somebody. But that was... Um, How many years was that into ministry oh, then yeah. for so you? Can like, you remember? Yeah, four or five. Okay. So you were doing five years in and then, yeah, she starts dating... Yeah, her now I, husband, and you're like, whoa, wait yeah, a second, I'm what's happening? Hitting the panic button. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there. That was. Um, mm. I don't recommend that strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a little. I, I would say. Um, there's just a little bit of when you when you your twenties are weird enough, right? Like post college mm. is a very strange season. It's yeah. hard. Um, especially to go from college where everyone's in the same boat, you know, like you often live with your friends. Um, you're all kind of in that same stage of like classes and that sort of yeah. thing. But then in your twenties, you know, people start getting married. Some people get jobs and there's this, you know, some people get great jobs. Some people right. don't, or, you yeah. Know, stay just, baristas for a really long exactly. time. Exactly. Yeah. And um, so people start, you know, taking these different paths and it, it, it very much. And I, th- I think part of it was maybe a little bit highlighted by the fact that I was, still hanging out around college students so mm-hmm. much. Like I kind of would struggle with as my, you know, the 27 dresses of like all my friends are getting yeah. married and, mm-hmm. you know, being in weddings and whatnot. And then, um, but I wasn't, I was mostly not even dating. Um, I was very happy with what I was doing. I was very happy being single. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I didn't, I didn't know if I wanted to be single forever. You know, it's that, that sure. kind of like moving to the mission field. I'm like, I, don't know if I want to do this forever, but I'm glad I'm doing it now. Um, mm-hmm. So I was, I was really happy to be single um, most of the time, unless I was just really insecure for some other reason, like Courtney getting mm-hmm. <laughs> her spending a time, her time with her boyfriend at the time. Um, but I, I really am grateful to have spent. So I, ended up, I got married in 2015, and I can mm-hmm. talk a little bit more about that. In a sure. minute. But so that was, you know, after being in Mexico for almost six years. Um, so that I was 29 when we got married. And I think I needed every minute of my 20s. 
um, as a single person. I'm so grateful. I'm grateful that I didn't marry the first person that I could think of. I'm grateful Mm -hmm. that I didn't um, let being single define whether or not I thought I could move to a different country by myself or anything like that. Or even just that fear of, you know, if I'm gonna eventually get married, then I need to be spending my 20s going on a million first dates or on this app or whatever. I'm just so glad that I was able to mostly let those anxieties and fears stay on the shelf Mm -hmm. and just really be present um, to enjoy those um, other relationships of, you know, I was able to be a pretty present friend because I was single. I was able Mm -hmm. to um, really be a present campus minister and live life alongside college students, even, you know, as I did get a little bit older and wasn't quite that much in the college scene. I I was, I was available to be present and be, um, really doing life alongside of those people. I also am really grateful for the relationships I had with my teammates who were married and who did have kids. I mean, when I think about the, other than my own two wonderful, amazing children, Mm -hmm. the kids that I love most in this world are my teammates' kids. You know, Mm -hmm. they're like, I was, I was a fun, like aunt figure to them uh, so often. And that, is really special to me. And I wouldn't trade that for the world um, to have had those times as a single person, but what that meant for my, my relationships with, with those families and those kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. It, you got to be aunt Cammy well oh, before you were physically an aunt, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So um, yeah, that, that just really does. I mean, I think about the times where it was like, Oh, this baby's being born. We're driving to the hospital or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, being on a team team is like family um Mm. and family is complicated it's not just you know all you know brady bunch where you throw a bunch of people together and they all get along perfectly all the time but team those team relationships i think were really special especially the ones that i had um as a single person earlier on and it's, it's fun I, I laughingly say that I grew up in Mexico because I moved there as a 23 year old and then I left as a 30 year old with a mm-hmm. uh, baby in my arms literally I mm-hmm. mean we left when my son was three months old so yeah, um, yeah I, I mean, say I, I cut my teeth as an adult in Ethiopia you know, oh yeah four, exactly four there. Yeah, exactly sure. like I uh, it's extremely formative of who yeah. you are as an adult now and probably who you will be now for the rest of your life as well for sure so yeah Jordan my husband's name is Jordan if I haven't mentioned that and he um I met him actually through um so when the McDades left Mexico Mm -hmm. they joined the staff of a church Mountain Christian Church in Maryland and Nathan was a young adults pastor at the time and he would bring a group down every August um of mostly young adults but sometimes people of different ages and um Jordan was on one of those trips. And really? so, yeah, we <laughs> met and. And the pastors in Mexico were like, hey, here's one, here's one. Right, here's one. There no. is a man. You could marry him. Um, but now he uh, he was on that trip for a week. And that was at the time where it was me, Courtney and Elsa, just the three of us. Um, mm-hmm. We were all single at the time. They were dating people I was not. And mm-hmm. um, yep, we needed needed some guys on the team you know we had a a large ministry full of people but we needed some dudes to hang around and so during that week um you know it was just really cool to see jordan being there and 
you know, interacting with the campus ministry. He had gone to a Christian university and so he hadn't been part of a campus ministry per se. Mm -hmm. Um, But just, you know, seeing how he interacted with events and students and whatnot. And so at the end of that week, you know, I, this is their last night there. And, you know, at the end of a mission trip, you know, you get all the, you've, you've hosted mission trips, people crying. It's the best thing in their life and they'll never forget it. So we always tried to make space for that um, give them, you know, their gifts and t-shirts and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. from us and really kind of call out different things that we'd seen. So we did that. But then afterwards I kind of pulled him aside and I'm like, Hey, I think you should really consider coming back here for a year. I think you um, could really like fill a spot on this team. Yeah. Um, And he had some uh, rebuttals to that suggestion (laughs) at first, you know, like, Oh, I don't know. Isn't that, Um, but what he said was actually, you know, that he'd been leading a small group of high school guys for the last three years. And so they were going into their senior year of high school. And, um, so after that year, he was like, I'll, I'll kind of be done with like my commitment to see, see them through high school. Mm -hmm. Um, so actually like a year from now would actually be like really great timing, like to move back here in a year. Like, well do it, man. That sounds great. Like we really could use the help and like, you seem like you're really enjoying it here. And like, if it sucks, then you leave, right? Like, right. That's kind of been, you know, my mindset. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I am so glad he did. Um, yeah. He totally. applied to CMF. And did you guys keep dating long distance then? Like, after no, that we moment, dating. you weren't um, even dating at all. Like, no, it, it, we, I it wasn't like there were sparks. Him. Okay. You were just yeah. recruiting. Yeah. So, yeah, we ended up like, interacting a couple of times. So mountain supported our ministry there. Mm-hmm. And, um, so they had a, every few years they host all of their missionaries on site. So Courtney and Elsa and I all went to Maryland for a week. And so okay. we got to like hang out with them then, but it's still very much like, Oh, this is our future teammate. And, yeah. um, yeah, like we stayed in touch cause I'm, you know, just making sure he's raising a support and yeah. doing everything on his pre-departure checklist yeah. and that kind of thing. But yeah. Um, he moved back there in August and pretty soon after that, we were like, Oh, maybe yeah. there's something here yeah. um but we didn't start dating until a few months later but then after that we we got engaged pretty soon after that we yeah. i mean we did our best to like respect the fact that he was a new teammate and needed mm-hmm. to uh you know get his feet under him and get to you know get connected with the whole team and the culture and language and all of that but yeah um we actually got engaged the following semester when i was on furlough oh no <laughs> so, way yeah we so did he was there he yeah, was, he was there in Mexico when i was in the United States. States. okay yeah so yep we ended up getting married um a year after that and um serving for another couple years ended up having our little boy there and then at the end of that term you know we'd both committed our term ended at the same time and it kind of felt like, you know, okay, this is a different season for us. Um, having a kid for me, I mean, there, and there still really haven't been a ton of moms that have been team leaders within global scope. And for me, it, it, I kind of felt like I couldn't be the team leader I wanted to be and the mom I wanted to be at the same time. Both of those are, um, roles that dig deeply into your like relational well. And I, I just wanted to, um, yeah, I, w- I wasn't confident that I could make that work. So I felt okay being done, even though leaving Mexico was one of the saddest things I've ever done. I still like, you know, Mexico will always be home for us in so many ways, you know, so well, plenty of other places, Maryland, Georgia. Um, so yeah, we ended up moving back to the States and 
kind of doing the kid thing a little closer to grandparents mm-hmm. and, and that sort of thing. Thinking about words of advice or ways that you would maybe speak to yourself as a new team leader, what, what would be some things that you could share for some of our TLs, our team leaders that are out there um, in reflection on your years of being a team leader as a single, as well as then uh, as you transitioned into that married role and having mm-hmm. a kiddo? For sure. I think that so much of team leadership for me was helping people figure out where, where, what was their wheelhouse? What, mm-hmm. um, you know, when we think about like the job description for a global scout campus minister, there isn't really like a, you know, there, it's a very long job description of all the things that you end up doing, yeah. but it's also like, well, you know what people kind of find their little corner of the team, mm-hmm. what's most needed, you know, where their skills or passions or talents align best with team needs. And that's one of the beautiful parts of working on larger teams, which is, you know, we try to have teams with five to seven people. Yeah. Um, is that you can really get, work yourself in a spot where you're getting to do things you're good at, things you enjoy. You'll have to do some stuff you don't like. Nobody, I don't, I don't think, really loves, you know, taking out the trash or whatever. <laughs> but you can mostly, mostly end up in a, a sweet spot that works for you and for your um, capacity and your personality type and that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, my advice for TLs is to just pay attention to the people on your team, watch for where they're thriving, watch Mm. for where they're struggling and do everything that you can to get them in a spot where they're striking on most of their cylinders. Mm -hmm. For me, that, that was always a fun puzzle to solve. Even each semester as, you know, interns would come and go and, you know, every, there was always a little tweaking to do. Um, and, and to understand that that might change for some people, you know, if mm-hmm. um, as people's um, life, life, season of life that they're in, um, as people maybe get older or, um, you know, as they get married or have kids or whatnot, maybe their uh, relational capacity diminishes a little bit. You know, they might right. not, you know, Courtney, who is a mom of three, she probably doesn't want to be hanging out with students until 3am anymore. Maybe she does want to, but she doesn't. Yeah. I think that um, sometimes people are good at things, uh, but they might not necessarily enjoy them. So Mm -hmm. for example, with that, like if we had a Mexican person on our team or a Spanish person on our team or a Chilean person, well, they were going to be better at public speaking in Spanish than a new American. Um, But, you know, understanding that different, that um, tension between, well, who's real, who's already good at something, but who m- mm-hmm. needs to grow in this area and um, just, yeah, have, having people mostly in a setting where they're thriving, but also where they're growing, I think is, is kind of the name of the game with that leadership and professional personal development. Is, yeah. Well, I love that. We should all be stretching a little bit too. Yeah. Um, no, I really love that. That's, nice. that's, a, that's great. Great advice. That's something I need to be doing. Yeah. From a leadership right. standpoint well, like, with my team. <laughs> and also like with, our kids. I feel like that yes. parent, parenting sure. muscles and team leader muscles are pretty similar. I, yeah. Not to um, compare anybody I ever led on my team to like mm-hmm. my five-year-old or my one-year-old, sure, but yeah, sure. sometimes I end up using those same leadership muscles of, well, mm-hmm. how can I empower my kid to mm-hmm. solve this mm-hmm. uh, problem or situation that they're in? So, yeah. yeah. 
none of your teammates love Alan Jackson quite as much as exactly. Amos does. Not, not at all. <laughs> so there's not always a straight comparison. No, right? no, no, right. not at all. Okay. So then reflecting back over your 15 years of engagement in ministry with CMF, and particularly those eight years on the field, what would you say, it's kind of twofold the question here, what, what were some of the most life-draining moments for mm -hmm. you or maybe even life-draining activities? Um, and then what would you say would be those life-giving moments or life-giving activities that kept you on the field for so many years? Yeah, um, great question. I think for me, some of the more draining things uh, were... Well, honestly, I mean, when there was team friction, that to me just feels like sideways energy. You know, we're all there, you know, all everybody who I ever worked with joined that team because they cared about students and invested in them. But sometimes that friction um, can can just really take away from the way that you're able to pour into students. Yeah. And, and that um, I think the temptation there is to ignore it and just be like, whatever, if there's friction, like, then I'm going to ignore all these people and I'm going to hyper-focus on my job, but that's not the point. I mean, I, one mm -hmm. of, another one of our core values in Global Scope is a team approach to ministry. And so, yeah. um, again, just trying to um, figure out how to work with a team, uh, often mm -hmm. a constantly changing team, um, even when there are different um, perspectives or um, ideas about what ministry should look like or could look like. Um, I mean, it's, it's an important, um, it's an important thing to figure out and to do right. And it does um, require energy and to mm -hmm. learn not, not to see that as sideways energy, but actually like very, very essential to, to doing that work of ministry together. Um, but yeah. yeah, so I think it can become draining when it feels like you're pouring energy into something that is not, paying dividends mm -hmm. on a you're not, you're not experiencing basis. change or growth mm -hmm. despite the friction or the tension that's there right right mm -hmm. and so yeah, yeah i mean i think every iteration of team that i ever worked on experienced some kind of friction i think that's mm -hmm. part of working with people um but yeah when when you can manage that and and um get to a spot where a team really is clicking then it is super life-giving yeah, and yeah. it's it's like the most fun you've ever had right yeah um, yeah so yeah. would you say that that would be then the op the other side of that question you know life-giving moments or is it when the team's firing on all cylinders it feels like everybody's got their role in their, their piece or there's some other yeah. things too i mean there are some other things too i mean I, I often it's funny um while we're recording this the the el pozo team they're in um juarez mexico doing a mission trip right now oh, building cool. a house um with Casas por Cristo. And that was always one of my favorite things because it's mm -hmm. really nice. You know, when you're mostly doing relational ministry, you don't always get to see a lot of progress. You don't always get to like, you know, there's not a lot of like real tangible or visible yeah. or it's very slow moving. Exactly. So there's yeah. something really rewarding about like going and building a house for four days. And like, there's mm -hmm. no house at the beginning of the week and there's a house at the end of the week. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it's especially fun to do that alongside team and students and whatnot. So yeah. I, I really enjoyed a lot of that hands-on stuff, even though that wasn't um, what I wanted to be doing all the time. I love relational ministry. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it was, it was always really life-giving to just get to go do something totally mm -hmm. different for a week and, mm -hmm. um, and see students experience that joy of service. Um, so I, I always enjoyed that a whole lot. Um, the 
slinging a hammer. I mean, it's, it's yeah. not my wheelhouse. Uh, <laughs> it's getting that not, construction built. Exactly. Oh, I'm, yeah. I haven't put it on my LinkedIn, but it yeah, was really yeah. fun to, uh, to go do that with students. Um, what else? I mean, I just honestly life giving for me. I, I, I never got over that like energy of the large group event. Like hmm. I'm, I'm very much love a big crowd and that in that cultural context, the big crowd, the big like yeah. energy flow music, you know, right. that's, that that works in Latin America. And there's fun. something about yeah. that that's really special. So yeah. those are some of my favorite things. Um, oh, that's, that's that fun. that energy in the room and getting all excited to give a talk and yeah. you know the band being on like it's just it's fun. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I can't talk about that without smiling and just remembering some really fun times. And it it was fun that you know the the thing that kind of highlighted who we were as a ministry, the thing we did every week, which was that midweek event. Um, that it was such, so life-giving and fun for me. And I, I know that's not everyone. A lot of people really hate event planning, no, really hate awesome, big crowds. Um, but that, that was a really fun that was one your thing. Me. Yeah. All right. Last clutch question here <laughs> is people think about Mexican food being mm. this delicious thing. And it usually is mm. very delicious. I've had the opportunity, of course, to actually go to Mexico and have Mexican food, not Tex-Mex, everything covered in queso cheese, you know, Velveeta cheese or something like that, like mm-hmm. Oklahoma Tex-Mex is. Oh, yeah. Which is uh, also delicious. It's delicious. Different. Sure. It's delicious different. too, but very different. But what people often maybe don't know is that there are all kinds of tacos out there mm. with all kinds of interesting fillings. Ooh. And I wondered, did you have a particular taco you liked and one that you struggled with? Mm. That clutch question, like I said, to wrap up our time. I love it. This is just really the capstone. Yes. yes. Mexican food. Mm. Um, well, there are all kinds of tacos. And I would say I tipped my hand on this earlier when we were talking about the exchange thing. I'm, I'm kind of a person that defaults to saying yes. So even if I knew what something weird was, I'd usually try it. Um, so I, my favorite taco and I mostly like, I mean, I'm I'm a food person, so Mm -hmm. I I mostly like all the things. Mexican food is almost all delicious. My favorite taco is, um, barbacoa, Mm -hmm. which is like, Spanish for barbecue, but my yeah. I had a friend that would make it, and actually a local restaurant sold her barbecue, oh, and she would wow. make it out of beef tongue. Who interesting! So it was like yes. shredded beef tongue, and it was is it called la lingua. What is that? Lengua, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So taco de lengua was pretty good. Um, so that was good. That was not the rough one, <laughs> right? Yeah, it was delicious. Yeah. Nice. Um, some of the other. Uh, tripa, cabeza, ojo. I don't know mm-hmm. if you know any of those words, but like tripe <laughs> is like intestines, yes. cabeza mm-hmm. is brains, ojo mm-hmm. is eyes. I'm mostly steered clear from those. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure they're delicious. Mm-hmm. I would imagine they would have to be, otherwise people wouldn't eat them. Um, but you got to draw a line somewhere, and that was probably my line. <laughs> that you was know, your... Not that mm-hmm. I probably haven't had, the, you know, there are probably situations of like hospitality. Somebody's mm-hmm. grandma might have sat down a plate full of <laughs> tacos de ojo in front of me, um, yeah. and I just ate them with a smile. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there machito is another one we won't mm-hmm. even translate that one, mm-hmm. but nice. yeah, um, <laughs> I mostly stuck to like, yeah, just your 
tongue and the rest. Yeah, tongue was about as um, <laughs> that's crazy. Exotic as I was willing to get for <laughs> nice. taco fillings. Oh, but man. Mexican food is amazing. Yeah. You try to figure out to get how to get down to Puebla to visit the team, mostly for the food, not necessarily for the team. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> all the things. Yes, you know, all, all the, the things. things. Definitely mostly the team, mostly the ministry, also right. the weather and the yes. food, but the team, most importantly, of course. Absolutely. But yeah, no, we do try to get back there. We haven't, with the pandemic, haven't been able to go um, mm. as much as a family. Um, but it is it is really nice to have served somewhere that's just a quick plane flight away. I mean, yeah. I don't have to spend days of my life trying to get there. So get th- I, we live just a, about half an hour from the Atlanta airport, and it's a three-hour flight to Mexico City. Hop on a quick bus, and we're there. So Yeah, that's really yep. a special opportunity for you guys. Exactly. You those connections there. Really for neat. sure. And we, um, we have been able to go, I've gone back for work a couple of times, which has been, mm-hmm. has been great. And, you know, if, if anything at CMF ever needs to happen in Mexico, you know, I'm quick to volunteer. You're on it. You're exactly. on it. You know, I speak Spanish and I, <laughs> you know, I always want to be first, first one to raise my hand for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, Cami, I'm grateful for you and your leadership, uh, your years of engagement with CMF, over the last 15 years to eight years uh, as a leader uh, with the Puebla uh, Global Scope team, as well as your leadership now as the assistant director of Global Scope. Uh, you're a phenomenal person, and I'm, I'm grateful for the ways that you are engaged with what God is doing around the world and through the lives of our campus ministers around the world. So thank you for your leadership and for taking the time uh, to do this podcast with me today. Thanks for listening to this third and final episode of the Fellowship Podcast with Cam. I hope you were challenged and inspired like I was listening in on her story. It would be so helpful if you could take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe to The Fellowship wherever you listen to podcasts. This will help folks learn more about CMF International and the phenomenal ways that we can all be connected to God's mission in the world.